0: This is the Powered by Rock Podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. You're about to discover the most entertaining rock music podcast on the planet, filled with the best stories straight from rock musicians from all over the world. Rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's time to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started.
1: The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power by Rock podcast. We're only speaking with Canadian born Las Vegas, legendary host, announcer, actor, and philanthropist, Mark Chinook. Is that how you pronounce it, Mark?
1: That's it. Mark Chinook works for me.
0: Perfect. As (laughs) I've heard other people absolutely obliterate that name, so I wanted to make sure it's at least somewhere in the ballpark. But yeah, uh, yeah, for for those of you who don't know, Mark's obviously been an actor. He's done Timon in The Lion King on Broadway. He's a born and bred hockey hockey player, goalie from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario the home of the Sioux, if uh, if you know anything about that uh, that little town and, and how well they're known for their hockey. He's also literally raised millions of dollars for charity, has excited thousands of both hockey and boxing fans here in Las Vegas as an in-arena announcer for the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. That's why I'm wearing this today. And as the host of Top Rank Boxing on Friday night. And he's helped cultivate the music and performing arts in Las Vegas through his venue called The Space, where musicians both national and local have performed in the state-of-the-art multi-purpose event space. If you live in Las Vegas, you've almost certainly seen his face. And I'm glad I finally have the opportunity to have a conversation with him, talk about all of his contributions to the city and help in supporting Las Vegas. DM. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. Honored to be with you. Thanks for, uh, for considering uh, me as a guest. It's cool to always come on shows and talk about what we got going on. But, uh, you know, when you lead out with the community, that gets me excited because that's pretty much everything we're about over here at The Space.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the things that I think the reason why we even connected in the first place is because we were talking about the um, the Vegas-born artist of the game that's shown at the Vegas Golden Knights uh, games and stuff like that. But, you know, whether it's, you know, through music or through your charitable contributions, you know, you've been in this community for a while now. And so I think kind of what I want to talk about first is, you know, this is a music, a rock music show, first of all. But we'll and we'll talk about rock music, your ties to it here in, in Vegas and beyond. But I think the first thing I want to speak to you about is the passion that you have for everything you do, because you're not a behind-the-scenes kind of guy in any sort of the way. At least from what I see, I mean, you're the guy that's out there. You're you have the ability to energize an entire crowd. You go out there with you know Monday's dark, which is what's going. On. You see that in the background. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But you harness your energy and put that out every single time that you're you know in front of people right so i just want to know like first of all how do you keep that energy going and and what keeps that sustained energy for las vegas community
1: yeah first of all it's a job but it's uh it's a job that i love so anytime you love something that you do you don't really consider it work uh like like you mentioned i I started out as an actor you know that's what i wanted to do actually prior to that i wanted to be a hockey player and then you you figure out hey i'm going to do something else and i was fortunate enough to uh to call myself an actor and live in some great cities. I was in New York City for uh, almost a decade, Los Angeles for about the same amount of time. And, you know, I just had a love for the stage. Uh, I was fortunate to to perform in some great Broadway shows and Rock of Ages is what brought me to Las Vegas. You know, I I thought, Hey, this is going to be such a cool thing. I'll go out there, I'll do six months, I'll do a year and then we'll move on to the next gig. But I fell in love with Vegas. And the community. It wasn't the buildings. It wasn't the restaurants. It wasn't the shows. It was literally the community of Vegas that really grabbed me, and 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 that's why I'm still here. It's 11 years and counting, and uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to to call Las Vegas home because of this incredible community and and everybody that that makes this city go. So you know, my wife and I decided early on when we got here that you know we had a a very special opportunity and we wanted to make the most of it and and give back in ways that we could as as performers and so that's yeah. uh you know that's the quick that's the quick answer but you know Vegas is a special place and and just thrilled honored to be uh to be be here calling it home
0: yeah and for anyone obviously who doesn't live here i mean you have you know, the acting, you, I, I say you had the acting bug early on, but then obviously you were still playing hockey, right? So you wanted to co- go through with that, but let's, let's talk about the, the young Mark and and playing hockey as a goalie and so on and so forth. What, what, at what point, I mean, obviously you get to a certain point where you're like, well, it's just going to happen for me, but how did you kind of, obviously your dad owns, owns a, 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 um, a team in, in Sault Ste. Marie. So, where was that progress for you or that progression for you that was like, okay, I've, I've, I've got to the point where I'm at? You even played, I think, in the Canadian Hockey League, right? So you got to that point and then you just decided, talk to me about that process.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, that was a tough time in my life when I look back on it and I get asked a lot, how did you end up a, a Broadway performer uh, after being a hockey player? And there's really no clear answer. It's just you got to figure out what you want to do next. Yeah. And I got to the point, like you said, in, in my hockey career where it wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, you know, I was a third string goaltender in the Canadian Hockey League for a team that doesn't exist anymore. The Belleville Gold. <laughs> I was jumping around from the minor leagues into the Canadian Hockey League, all over the place. And, um, you know, I think when I look back on it, if I was a little bit more mature as a young man back then, I, I may have stuck it out and I would have found a way to continue playing hockey because I thought I was good enough to keep playing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the cards just don't fall the way you want them to. Uh, so, you know, that, that was a tough call with my, my dad. I said, hey, look, I'm, I think I'm going to come home and finish school in my hometown. And that last year of high school was sort of a defining time for me where I was I had my hand in a lot of things. I was playing hockey. I was trying out theater on stage for the first time in my hometown. I was playing football. I was doing whatever I could. Uh, and then, you know, after school was over, I said, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to go to New York and and try this acting bug, which I had acquired. And, it, you know, it worked. You know, it yeah. wasn't easy by any means. You know, a career in, in entertainment in any uh, form of entertainment is, is challenging. And so uh, I had a wonderful family supporting me. I'm the youngest of five. And my time in New York was was really special. I have a, a special place for that city in my heart. I think many people who have lived in New York City will always hold New York, uh, special. Uh, but I was fortunate, you know, I just busted my ass and, and worked really hard to create opportunities in an, an industry that sometimes doesn't have many opportunities, right? People yeah. can, uh, venture off and, and want to be a, a, a successful professional in entertainment, but never get the break or the chance. And I was lucky enough to, to call some shows home for a little while. And like you mentioned, Lion King and, Then Rock of Ages is what brought me to Vegas. And, uh, you know, just very fortunate, very grateful for those opportunities. And much like sports, uh, those people become your lifelong friends. You know, you share a locker room in sports, you share a dressing room in theater, and it's very similar. There are some synergies there and similarities that are what you wouldn't expect, but you develop amazing relationships with your, your teammates and your cast members and uh, they become lifelong, lifelong friends. But there was no real moment that I can think of that said, oh, I'm gonna go to New York all of a sudden, it was just, <laughs> it just sort of, you know, came about. And I, I got that acting bug, you know, in in late in high school, and I just went after it. And again, it was uh, a time in my life that I, I look back on. And uh, it was it was pretty special, you know, to call New York City home. And And that community of of entertainers and professionals the theater scene in new york is is something special and it's something that uh i hold near and dear and you know having that opportunity to bring that to las vegas is is also something really cool
0: yeah and so obviously we talked rock of ages brought you here obviously you were in la at the time from memory and um you know rock of ages is for anybody who doesn't know i mean it's obviously a uh, rock musical rock opera whatever you want to call it uh, however you want to say it but i mean it's got those you know you know journey and Def leopard and all those kinds of songs in it right so like it's a very uh you know big opus type to it's a it's a big honor uh, homage to rock music but this being a rock music show obviously we got to talk about that so bring me back so what i always tell people is when you're growing up at some point you kind of stop listening to music at least for a while and you kind of just stick with what you know. Like most people I know don't listen to anything except for what they listened to in high school. So let's go back to susan Marie. What jams were you blasting as a youngster, and how has your music changed over time?
1: Uh, you know, I w- it, because I was the youngest of five, there were uh, various types of music blasting in our house all the time. Um, I had a brother that was a classically trained pianist, or he tried to be, you know, so there was classical <laughs> music being played. My parents... Were you know the typical Neil Diamond, Johnny Mathis, you know Rat Pack vibe, and then I had a brother who was into to rock and heavy, and a sister who was into all sorts of stuff. So the music scene in our home was really cool because it was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, personally, for me, when if I think back and have specific memories, uh, high school, obviously everybody has their high school memories. I was into the Counting Crows. Can't lie. Okay. Uh, the yeah. county pros were my boys and you know i had the privilege to see them recently at the uh, pearl theater at the palms so it was kind of nice. cool to reminisce and literally sing out loud every song that they they started rocking out but i, I was fortunate in the sense that you know I, I had a big family and a lot of musical influence so I, it was it was bizarre i didn't have just one lane that i stayed in i, I pretty much got into everything that my brothers and sister were were playing and so uh, I think that worked in the long run for me when I when I started, you know, doing my own thing in entertainment. I had all these memories and these experiences that I could draw on with very specific memories of, of music, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, we were in an isolated city. You know, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario is five hours north of Detroit, Michigan, uh, right on Lake Superior, St. Mary's River. And it's a beautiful city, a beautiful place to grow up. Uh, but we were limited to who came through uh, for concerts. You know, I yeah. remember one of my first concerts was a guy by the name of Roger Whitaker. You know, okay. like, uh, some old school dude who whistled and was kind of folky. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, like you said, Def Leppard rolls through and, and plays a small hockey arena in northern Ontario. So you can imagine yeah. those concerts of just about 5,500 people. That's it. Uh, yeah. it. It was pretty cool. Um yeah. Twain obviously on the countryside rolled through at one point early in her career. And it's just it was it was remarkable to see the city embrace uh artists come through because they they knew how special it was for them to make the effort to come to Sault Ste. Marie to perform. That's a little different now. The city has, you know, grown over the years and we have a wonderful facility, a brand new hockey arena. Well, maybe it's about 10 years old now. Uh, yeah. but you know, so It was cool growing up in the Sioux, and uh, it was a pretty cool music scene, too, from a local standpoint. A lot of friends in high school had bands, and we had a lot of dive bars that just had music going every weekend. And I think a lot of that uh, played influence on me then that I didn't really understand, Uh, and it it sort of guided me. And and even to this moment today with our venue, The Space, here in Vegas, I I have things that I've designed in this venue that are, straight up memories from Sault Ste. Marie dive bars, you know, nice. and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's been a wild ride and to be able to just sit here and think about that, you know, so it's bananas.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to segue to the next question with a couple of counting crows references by saying, you know, round here in Vegas, round here, um, go. we're going to have a bit of a long December, but in that December, you're going to have uh, Monday's dark, uh, 10th anniversary. So, I actually, you know, I'm really interested in this because a lot of people obviously I haven't actually been to it, which is crazy because I've I've had a couple opportunities to go, but I have a two and a half year old son. So it's tough to like get out of the house on a right. day that yeah, it's tough. But the the concept is essentially that you know, you have we have some of the most, you know, incredible performers living and working in Las Vegas, right? And so like a lot of the times, because all the tourists go back on Sunday, Mondays don't have shows. So the idea is that Mondays are dark for casinos these these employees right that are in theater and music and stuff like that so that's where the the name i assume comes from i mean it's from mondays dark right and you have a lot of these people come into your establishment the space which i've been actually saw you there recently i didn't say hi but i saw you pass me and i was like oh that's mark mark right there he owns a place <laughs> um but yeah so talk to me about the the essentially the last 10 years the millions over a million of dollars that you've raised, obviously, for the community. All that money stays in Las Vegas. Okay. Obviously, when we're talking about rock music, independent why scenes, essentially you're doing it from the in a grassroots campaign just by knowing enough people to kind of make that network work, right? So, talk to me about the last 10 years of Monday's Dark.
1: Yeah. So, you're spot on. The, the, the name comes from the fact that Broadway is traditionally dark on Monday. And when we first got to town, um, you know, we were following the traditional Broadway schedule, eight shows a week and Monday night, yeah. our only night off of the week. So cast members, we have four days off a month. That's it. The rest of the time we're on stage singing iconic 80s tunes. And, you know, as you know, Vegas is very red carpet happy. We'll roll out the red carpet for an opening <laughs> of Applebee's you know yeah. so as entertainers in town part of our responsibility with the show was to support and frequent a ton of charity events the unfortunate part about that is you know for us it was kind of a pain in the butt cuz we'd have to go to the theater early put on our costumes get in a car the car would escort us to the charity event we'd take a picture on the carpet to say we were there and then we would leave to go back to our show we didn't even know anything about the event yeah. so i didn't know anything about Some of the most, uh, you know, notable, reputable nonprofits in town, Opportunity Village, Keep Memory Alive, all of these huge nonprofits would invite us as entertainers to walk the carpet, and we would leave. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way to give back. That's where Monday's Dark came from. We would just start getting all the entertainers in town to show up on a Monday night and do what they do, entertain, perform, tell jokes, do a magic trick, sing a song. It didn't matter. And we'd have a full band on stage. I'd hire my guys. We'd have an eight to 10 piece band, full horn section. And we would raise money on a Monday night and give it all away. And the goal was always to raise 10,000 bucks in about 90 minutes. And uh, we've done that. We've done that 181 times. Uh, We have a list of 300 local nonprofits on a wait list waiting to party with us. And Monday's Dark will celebrate its 10th anniversary this December 11th at the Pearl Theater of all places at the uh, Palms Resort Casino. They've been great to us. So we leave the space for the anniversary event just because we're going to have 2,000 people in a room and clearly the space isn't big enough. Uh, But we're going to celebrate a a decade of giving back and it's something that we're incredibly proud of uh, as a small organization. You know, we're not household by any means, but we're a bunch of entertainers in town who raised 10,000 bucks every other monday and it's a well-oiled yeah. machine we never repeat a nonprofit. you never know who's going to show up but what you do know is that your 20 ticket is going to go to a great cause and you feel good about it and hopefully you get a few laughs and see some cool people uh get yeah. up on stage and perform so it's been 10 years uh a little overwhelming to think of i you know i never anticipated celebrating one year of monday's dark but here we are 10 years into the game and uh while it's not household in the public sense uh, in the nonprofit side of things in our community uh, we're well established and well known now in the nonprofit philanthropic world. And it shows we have 300 local charities waiting for us to call them and say, Hey, we're going to throw you a Monday's dark party. Uh, And it is a party. You know, we drink, we get stupid and give all the money away. We try not to make (laughs) it too serious. There's enough serious uh, charity events in Las Vegas. We don't need another one. So we're just a, a way for the entertainment community to give back, and uh, the entertainment community has embraced the program. Monday's Dark. When we first started, I needed to call performers and say, "Hey, come and do something." And they're like, "What's this for?" And now it's the other way around. You know, entertainers hit us hit us up and say, "Hey, we want to come and perform at Monday's Dark. Would love to donate a song or donate yeah. a five minute comedian set or a magic trick." So it's it's been good. It's been really good. And, it, you know, it always, it, that cheesy line, it feels better to give than to receive. I think everybody who works for Monday's Dark or volunteers their time for Monday's Dark has bought in. And we've got a very special team here at the space and Monday's Dark continuing to to give back to this great city.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I, like I said, when we first, when we actually first connected is because of your kind of, I guess, continuous support and help in developing a local community right um with uh the you know vegas golden knights talking about artists born uh artists of the night or whatever and then you know you as the owner of the space you actually help cultivate indie and diy music here in las vegas by allowing them and i know like obviously there's local promoters there's local bands but you basically what I understand, and I'm not going to try to like give away the, the contracts or anything like that, but basically you help them put on these shows so they don't have to go out of pocket too deep. You basically cover some costs and say, you guys can throw a show here. You know, if it helps the scene, you're all about it. So you don't have to do that. Like that's interesting for you to do that. The space is a very, very nice venue and when people come there you know you see the bar you see the bathrooms they're really nice you see the the venue is just incredible like it's a it's probably a 300 person venue from from what i can account for and i'm like the sound system the stage the everything the, the security is all professional it's really well done so you know that was one of the things when i look at you know going into a venue and i'm like holy crap like this guy is really trying to do something nice for for the the artists here the you know the the people growing up here in Vegas, like I didn't grow up here, but I've been here for 17 years now. My wife is born and raised here, but I see like these guys that are, you know, 22, the kids that are 22, 21 that have lived here their whole life. Now playing in a venue like that. And like, that's really cool. Like there's, there's very few venues in town where kids can go, right? Like it's an all ages venue, even though you do, do have a bar, it's kind of off to the side. It's not in the venue. So what is your kind of, you know, I, from your perspective, I guess, what do you feel is like, how are you supporting and, and contributing in this way? And why do you do it? Because it's not something you have to do by any means, right?
1: Well, you should be my agent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you for all that. Um, you know, I think when I go back, the space now, Monday's dark celebrating 10 years, the space will be seven years old. When I when I embarked on opening a venue, the space, it was primarily to, to house Monday's Dark and create a community center for some kids programs, home to Monday's Dark. And quickly, uh, with the team that helped me make it happen, uh, you know, we, we we established a pretty cool venue, like you said. Yeah. And I think it would be a miss if the venue wasn't serving the purpose that you just mentioned, which is trying to cultivate and provide a place for our local scene to uh to be able to work out of and the big thing the big factor is cost right i remember when i was in new york city and you wanted to produce a play or produce a show 90 percent of your budget went to a venue you know to to just call that place your home for a little while so you know we're, we're still just scratching the surface but i wanted to be very clear and and thank you for having me on because your platform is allowing me to you know, speak about this and, and people hear it from the horse's mouth, right? Because there is a lot of chatter out there about what does it cost to play the space or, or not. Yeah. And to your point, we always want to make the space available to our local music scene. So for example, the, the first thing that we offer is, is a simple door deal, right? Where there is, to your point, no out of pocket for a band to play the space. However, there are operating costs, I don't need to make money at the space off of a local band, but what I don't want to do is lose my shirt on having to pay my staff in order for that local band to play here. So what I've established with our team is a straightforward door deal. My operating costs to open are transparent. I got to make about $1,500 to pay everybody from our parking attendants to our lighting guy. And when we unlock the doors here, we have parking attendants, bathroom attendants, two bartenders, three security guards, a production stage manager, a lighting technician, a sound technician, and a front of house manager. So those are eight people that come to work and and operate at a very high level so that your production is treated like a million bucks. And the reason for that is I'm a performer. I know how I want to be treated when I walk into a venue, whether I'm going to sing some Broadway tunes or some journey hits or hosting a fight at Madison Square Garden, I want to be treated a certain way. And so everything we do here out of the space starts right there with that front facing service for the artist. So going back to the door deal, if my costs for the night are 1500 bucks, then the first $1,500 in ticket sales will stay with the space, the rest goes to the band. So it's an easy way for both of us to cover our costs and make money. And then also we're in bed together, right? We're both wanting to sell x amount of tickets and so based on your ticket cost if your ticket is 20 bucks well 100 tickets sold gets us to two thousand dollars in revenue just like that and most of these bands if it's two or three bands on the bill can do that easily and capacity wise here we can go up to 400 standing so if a band puts a bill together a local band gets three other bands together and they each sell 50 to 100 tickets each we've got a packed house And those bands are going to walk away with two to $3,000 in revenue playing a venue that I think sounds and looks incredible. That's where I put all of my effort and energy simply because, again, I'm not going on stage somewhere without a great mic and some great lighting. So I put everything, all of our focus and attention is to making these bands look and sound the best they possibly can be. Hey, the the lyrics and the song is on them, but we are going to make sure that they look and sound great. And... They have a great time doing it. Another thing for us at the space that, uh, you know, I got to give a big shout out to my parents on, you know, when we were doing these Mondays dark shows early on in year two, three, four, five, they like proud parents. They were always like, hey, send me videos, send me pictures. I want to see the show. So what I did well before the pandemic was go out and figure out how to live stream content to my parents privately so they could watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward two and a half years later, we hit the greatest or the the worst moment in the history of mankind, this COVID-19 pandemic. We're forced to shut down. Well, the space at that point had seven cameras and a quarter of a million dollars in live stream equipment in the facility. So now bands were hitting us up going, hey, I want to do my show here just so I can grab the content and sell it to this corporate client for their Zoom conference. It was the craziest time for us. But because of my parents asking for all this content all the time, we were ahead of the game in the live stream category where now we have all this great gear. And so the shows that we're doing now are kind of a hybrid of in-person and live stream. So we can do a pay-per-view concert just like we can a fight. You know, in my, my yep. day job, I, I host for top-ranked boxing. So we can now live stream concerts anywhere on the globe. And Monday's Dark, for example, is live streamed for free on all of our social channels because we want people to tune in and donate to the nonprofit. Sure. But for bands, if you have a, a, a national audience, we're going to live stream, pay-per-view your show out of the space. And people love that because it's live from Las Vegas and we tune in. We get some Broadway headliners. I, John Lloyd Young comes here twice a year. John is not household by any means to, to the rock crowd, but he played Frankie Valley in Jersey Boys on Broadway and in the film. He was in the Clint Eastwood movie, Jersey Boys. He played Frankie Valli. He's got a great voice. When he comes to the space twice a year, he live streams as well. And he actually sells more tickets online than he does in person because the way we set up the room for him is about 200 with cabaret (laughs) tables. And it's this intimate setting with tables and candles. And it's it's awesome. But he's doing 400 live streams any given night. And that revenue for him is remarkable. And he's so... He's so proud of the space. He calls it his home. It's his Vegas place to play. And so going back to how we started this question, it is kind of my responsibility as a venue owner to make sure that our local scene has a place where they feel supported. And it's working. Yeah. I, get, I get messages from local bands saying, hey, man, thank you so much. I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to play the space. And, and they walk away now with, the content as well. We'll turn the cameras on and, and record those shows for them, and, and they get that content to now market on all their social channels and use that that video content for other gigs, yeah. selling it to agents, managers. I'm a big fan of uh, community, obviously, with our Mondays Dark brand, and it just carries over into the space and to the music scene. And next year, man, I'm you're going to have me back on because I got more things to talk about with with how we're going to we're going to help grow the music scene here and cultivate uh, an even bigger community. Uh, we've got some major projects announcing with with some strip properties and nice. making sure that our local artists, our local musicians have places to play that are uh, high level, high production value and again, serve a purpose for them. It's not playing in somebody's backyard or some shithole. It's, it's yeah. really getting on a stage that looks and sounds great. And uh, we make it super affordable, like you said, with no out-of-pocket. So yeah. hopefully people who hear this, who are in the biz, hit us up. It's info at the Space LV. We're always booking four or five months in advance. We want to yeah. make sure that we, together as, as a venue and artist, we come together and we're both got skin in the game, right? We market for you, you're on our social, you get your email blast. On, we have a 22,000 email database now at the space over the last five, six years that we've amassed. And so we wanna brag about who's coming here. And yeah. if we're not doing that, we're not doing it right. So yeah, your local band, we want you at the space. It's as simple as that.
0: Awesome. And I mentioned that I did see you recently and that was actually the last time I saw you was when you did the life is beautiful festival competition finals. Now, obviously you did the, the, I think there was like semifinals and finals, basically like five bands competed on a couple different nights. And then the finalists all competed together um, this year, pure sport, which is my favorite Las Vegas band won the event uh, one and went on to play life is beautiful. But how did you partner with life is beautiful? Cause this is obviously like a pretty mega festival for nationally and internationally known artists that just happens to be hosted in downtown las vegas but now you're obviously supporting again the las vegas community and getting a spot into life is beautiful so how did you get involved with that
1: i called them and to your <laughs> point exactly i like i know a bunch of the guys uh, craig nyman obviously there he's one of my best buddies in town and the way it originally started was a couple years ago there was a streaming company which is no longer in existence, called Sessions Live.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Sessions Live, when they were in existence, same thing. They were cultivating a scene online where it didn't matter where you lived in the world, you had a platform now that you could market yourself. You could literally be playing in your living room, and they would stream it on their platform, and people would, would support you with financial contributions through their streaming platform. So Sessions Live had a partnership with Life is Beautiful one year where they took over the stage at the Container Park. We had used Sessions Live at The Space a few times. We partnered on some shows. And so they had asked me to host the stage that season or that year at Life is Beautiful. Anyway, that partnership went away, but it gave me the idea of like, hey, what we're doing at The Space deserves an imprint or an impression at Life is Beautiful. So I asked, I said, look, why don't we do a battle of the bands at The Space And the winner gets a spot at life is beautiful and they agreed and to be honest i thought i won the lottery well we had almost in our first year doing it last year we had about 200 local bands submit the life is beautiful team was entrusted with selecting the 16 finalists per se from the submissions and then we had a panel of judges over three days or three weekends for that matter And uh, like you just said, Pure Sport won a 30-minute set on the Rolling Stone stage at Life is Beautiful. That's something that those kids will never forget. Uh, We've got incredible content from it, and we just reached out to Life is Beautiful to lock down our dates for next year. So this is something that we're going to grow, we're going to continue, and we're going to build upon it. So we're really excited about the Life is Beautiful partnership. And their mindset is the same as ours. They know how special it is for Life is Beautiful to be in Las Vegas. It's not so much about the festival. It's about the festival being in Las Vegas. This is a special city. Our music scene here is incredible. And I'm really proud of the, the, the partnership between our venue and their festival. Listen, yeah. we're not – who knows? Pure Sport could turn out to be the next Imagine Dragons, Right. And we can better than that,
0: I hope, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah,
1: but you know what I mean. (laughs) That may what I'm talking about. So, like, we can say 10 years from now, when those those kids are playing sold out stadiums around the world, I can say, hey, man, they got their start right here at this goofy warehouse. It's not goofy anymore, it's cool as shit, (laughs) block off the strip. So, that's something we're really proud of. And that's something that we're going to put a lot of focus and attention into next summer. So once the dates are locked down, you'll be the first to know. We'll say, "Hey, look, guess what? The festival has granted us another opportunity. We're going to do the, the Battle of the Bands. We called it Hot August Nights." And uh, again, that goes back to what I said earlier with my parents being Neil Diamond fans. That was one of <laughs> the most iconic albums, right? So we were like, "Let's do the Let's do this contest in August." August for us can sometimes be a little slow because it's so hot and nobody wants to yeah. do anything in in Vegas, but. It crushed, man. We had three weekends. We had hundreds of people come through the space every Friday, Saturday night. And uh, I'm just, like I said, I- I'm so excited for that partnership. It's going to open the doors to so many other things for not only the festival, but for us as well uh, here at the space.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I mean, what you are doing at the space and what you're doing with like a lot of the stuff Monday's Dark, Life is Beautiful, Vegas Born Arts of the Night at the Arena. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much that you're supporting everybody here in town with that, you know, I just wanted to say on behalf of all the bands and all the promoters and everybody here in town, thank you, obviously, and keep doing what you're doing because, you know, that's that's my goal, like doing this podcast, doing with the, the website that I do. I want to, you know, shine a light on the people that are working their butts off to try yeah. to make good music and they just can't break through to a certain amount of people, right? So shine a light on those people and, and hopefully, you know, that makes everybody, all of us around this area kind of, you know, what is it they say? Like uh, all boats like rise with a, a rising tide or whatever like that.
1: Yeah, listen, you got to support your community. You know, like that. I just I, I have a passion for it like you do. So thanks for all you do. But like, listen, this is where we live and breathe and work day in, day out. So, you know, I, I feel like it is my responsibility to give back. Um listen, it's a business at the forefront. Like, listen, Monday's Dark is a nonprofit, right? We give a ton of money away. We raise a lot of money for local charities, but it's a business and it has to be governed as such. Yeah. It's got to be managed in a way that makes sense. And I think the the work that we started doing in Monday's Dark really had an influence and impact on how we operate the space. At the core of everything in this venue, it, it's it's community-based. It really has to be. If you yeah. aren't sitting there going above and beyond uh, supporting the people that walk through your door, you're just not doing it right. And so, from an entertainment standpoint, our whole staff here is bought into this mission of cultivating a scene and supporting our, our local musicians in a way that allows them opportunities that they maybe wouldn't have had before. And I can speak on personal matters. Like, I, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I didn't know what Juilliard was or NYU or Carnegie Mellon or Yale. I had no idea of those colleges or what they meant to the entertainment world. I just yeah. got on a plane one day and flew to New York and figured it out. So Here's
0: my resume. It's a blank piece of paper.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and I sounded Canadian. I had a big, thick, cocky accent. And, oh, hey, Hoser, I'm here to try to be an actor, eh? And, and people were, who are you? Uh, so, you know, listen, if I'm able to provide something, an outlet, a venue, a facility, which will, you know, help these bands get to the next level in their careers, I'm all about it. And I'm proud of that. You know, our whole team here is, so it, it's a cool thing we got going on. I think it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. Like I said, next year, we're going to have some, some crazy announcements. We've been doing the Monday's dark program for 10 years. Uh, the space has been around for seven and like I said, I feel like we're only getting started. Uh, obviously, I, I work full time in other areas, like you mentioned, yeah. Golden Knights, Top ranked boxing on ESPN. So this truly is a passion project for me. It's not. Uh, it's not a revenue generator. I don't make a living off of the space in Mondays Dark. Mondays Dark's all volunteer, and the space is designed and built from a business standpoint to operate itself where yeah. there's enough money being generated so that we can keep the lights on, we can keep a few staff members happy and fed and then the rest goes back to our entertainment community. That's super important to me. Um, you know, I remember the days of being a star- starving artist in New York City where like I said I would take every dime I had to make sure my rent was paid and then I'd put the rest into my career and it was just it was a constant uphill battle. So if yeah. we can eliminate a, just a fraction of that for local bands where they don't have to go hit up their parents for 5,000 bucks to rent out a venue. Yeah. We've done our job and it doesn't cost Or, or get
0: arrested doing it in a backyard, right? Something like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and again, if you walk away with content and uh, the pride of knowing that you put on a show in a cool spot. So that's yeah. really important to me.
0: Yeah. I think you know this is a good time to take a break, So we'll take a quick break, and uh, you know we'll talk more, but I want to bring Mark back in for some hot seat questions. I think that should be a lot of fun. Some stuff about Canada, I think that that'll be uh, you know interesting as well. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow. it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to DIYRockCareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my way. All right, welcome back to the Power Bar Podcast. I'm here with Las Vegas legend, Mark Chinook. Hey, Mark, are you ready to be put in the spotlight?
1: Uh, I just don't like the word legend there. It throws uh. me off. You're, you're
0: now a legend. <laughs> you're part of the Stanley Cup champions. I mean, you're a legend. I love it. <laughs> All right. The first question I have to ask you is a guy who's born from born in Canada, Canadian born. How much do you love the shows Letter Kenny and Shorzy?
1: I'm going to be dead honest here. I've only did six seasons of Letter Kenny. Never watched an episode of Shorzy, but it's pretty much spot on. Letter Kenny yeah. is is a true <laughs> reflection of of Northern Ontario. They obviously shoot that show not far from where I grew up. Uh, and I know some of the guys on it. It's it's just badass. And it is a 100% authentic <laughs> interpretation of what it's like to grow up there.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll say in Shoresley, they specifically talk about how good the Sioux are at hockey. So I think you'll have to watch that. I think it's, it's, it's right up your alley. So
1: I'll definitely take it in.
0: Yeah. Question two. As hockey is a much more widely played sport in terms of percentage of the population playing it in Canada versus the U.S., what has been your perspective on seeing hockey thrive in Las Vegas?
1: Listen, we have 300,000 full-time Canadian residents in Las Vegas, so I knew we were going to be in good shape when uh, Mr. Foley got awarded a a professional franchise. And now, uh, you know, six years in, having won it all, I think our fans eventually will be in for a rude awakening. Knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen, but we have been very fortunate to have... Uh, Are you saying a-
0: we're going to have a losing season at some point? Don't don't put yeah, that hate on
1: Eventually, us. in my lifetime, <laughs> it might happen. But We've been very fortunate that we have had winning seasons six years in a row. Uh, obviously, we've won the Stanley Cup. We've been twice. That's unheard of. Yeah. So, you know, I think our fan base... Is knowledgeable of that now like they understand how lucky we are so enjoy it while you can uh hockey is is has has taken over vegas and it will for a long time to come i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we opened uh, our inaugural season a week after the largest mass shooting in the history of the united states so the vegas golden knights will forever be tied to healing a community yeah. They truly are Vegas-born, and that's something that I can say as a day-one employee since the beginning. It's, it's something we carry with us that we're very proud of, knowing that the Vegas Golden Knights helped heal a community. That's something that no other franchise, whether it's sports or an Applebee's, can ever uh, take away from the Vegas Golden Knights. And now to say that they're Stanley Cup champions, to quote uh, George McPhee, you feel like a made man. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's a special feeling.
0: That's especially true in Las Vegas where, you know, it was built on the mafia. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So I don't know if you're a lover of poutine or not, but I'm going to ask you because I absolutely do love poutine. What's the best poutine you've ever had? What were the toppings and where did you get it?
1: So I'm a poutine purist. And for those okay. of you who are watching who don't know what it is, it's French fries with cheese, curd and gravy. And that's yeah. it. I am not a fan of shifting or pivoting from direction to direction here i like it the old school way don't put anything else on it some people put tomato sauce and all these things and pepperonis and it's like a no it's (laughs) gravy it's cheese curd it's french fries uh there is a truck stop over the bridge the international bridge which takes you from michigan to canada in sault saint marie there are two sault saint marie's there's one on the michigan side one in on the canadian side and there is a tiny cafe on the Canadian side that has been there forever in Sault Ste. Marie. It is the best poutine on the planet. Don't at me, hold my beer, just go to the Sioux and that <laughs> poutine. That's it. Nice.
0: I am going to say, if you're going to say like something like you're going to add the uh, smoked meat that, you know, in Montreal, they always say, add that smoked meat and stuff. It's just pastrami. I'm like, I like pastrami, but you can eat pastrami yeah. or uh, poutine any way you want, but I'll take it yeah. just straight up yeah. too.
1: I, I will honestly say though I haven't had it in a long time because I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to manage. <laughs> That's
0: and, why you're thinning and I'm not. There, I'm there is that.
1: no there <laughs> is no monitored diet or workout routine which includes poutine.
0: <laughs> it's true. All right, question number four. Let's get back to a music question. What are your top two to three favorite Canadian rock bands of all time?
1: Oh man. Toque. You know they're still doing their thing, uh, but you know if I if I go back to my high school days, it's the Tragically Hip, uh, okay. hands hands down the Hip. Um, they just they were they were real. You felt a sense of pride of of who you were. They were proud of where they were from, and so for me it was it was the Tragically Hip.
0: Very cool. All right, I'm going to ask you. Obviously, this can be we're going to transform this question because normally I say name four. For musicians who you put on your personal mount rushmore for being influential or whatever well let's just say as far as because you can say actor comedian whatever name your top four uh influences of all time for who would you put on your mount rushmore for your personal influences of any of any genre or any media
1: yeah. uh the first would be michael j fox okay uh, just his story is incredible if you haven't read his books read his books Everybody knows him as, you know, Back to the Future, but Michael P. Keaton, yeah. um, or Alex P. Keaton, sorry.
0: I uh, had to and, introduce somebody to who Alex P. Keaton was the other day. They are like, what's that? I was like, are you yeah. right now?
1: God, I'm old. Michael J. Fox is up there. Yeah. Uh, I was a big, when I, when I you know, had the, the acting bug, he was there, obviously. I was always looking up to him. Paul Newman, you know, without question. And as a hockey fan, I, I had Slapshot on Beta, you know, yeah. it was a little Beta cassette that, yeah. And I had the privilege of meeting him and his wife when I moved to New York City and was working in the theater. So, uh, Michael J. Fox He's
0: philanthropist for sure too.
1: Oh yeah. Like you can't yeah. have, you buy a salad dressing. May not even like the <laughs> salad dressing, but you know, it's going back to a charity, right? So yeah. that's cool. Uh, from a music standpoint, uh, I didn't really get the bug of music and, and the writing and the, the, intricacies of, of music until I was much older. Like I just, like I said, I listened to the counting crows in high school or the tragically hip. I didn't really get into music until I moved to New York and was getting paid to sing in shows. And so that's when you're ripping the music apart and understanding what you're singing and how you're yeah. singing it. Um, so, you know, I, when I look back on, on those days of being a, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old in, in New York city, the music scene for me really started with with Stephen schwartz and steven sondheim you know the two okay. Stephen were, were really influential to me uh on the broadway side of things they're just their their compositions their shows were were incredible so um th- those are the four i think for me uh, newman michael j fox Stephen schwartz Stephen sondheim
0: that's awesome well that's very cool that's the only spotlight questions i have for you but obviously you're a busy man. So, what we're going to try to do is we're just going to wrap things up because I know you got a million other things to do. But I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I do want to mention, like, obviously, you can go ahead. I want people to know about Monday's Darks uh, 10th anniversary show. So, I'd love to give you some, like, a couple minutes just to quickly talk about what you got going on with all that stuff.
1: Yeah, everybody listening, if you can come out on Monday, December 11th, we're going to take over the Pearl Theater at the Palms. So it's a big step up for us. Normally, Mondays takes place here at the Space, but we're going to go into the Pearl Theater with 2,000 locals. Tickets start at 20 bucks. Mondaysdark.com or thespacelv.com will direct you to tickets for the 10th anniversary. Uh, Our goal that night is to raise a quarter of a million dollars. So we've got our work cut out for us. We want to raise 250,000 bucks. Uh, We're going to celebrate the year that we've had. We've partnered with 21 local nonprofits in 2023. And on that night, we're going to announce the 21 charities that we're going to partner with in 2024. So there will be 42 local nonprofits represented in one room. Uh, We're always proud of the anniversary event for that fact, because nobody's competing with each other. We're all there supporting each other. It's Monday, December 11th, Doors at 7, Show at 8. The lineup's going to be ridiculous. Uh, some of the top shows from the strip will be represented and we're going to raise a ton of money, a ton of awareness. And I need everybody in the community to come out. It's 20 bucks. You can get a ticket, come, come party with us at the palms on a Monday night in December. Uh, you do not want to miss it. And like I said, I, I love what I do for a living with, with the golden Knights and and top rank boxing, but the passion for, for getting out of bed every day and, and getting to it is all about Monday's dark. So you can spend 20 bucks and a Monday night with us. I'd appreciate it. Mondaysdark.com, thespacelv.com. It's Monday's Dark 10th anniversary, December 11th. Don't miss it.
0: All right. I obviously want to thank Mark Chinook for being on the show today. Go to make sure to check out the show notes below to see all of Mark's projects and support the hell out of this gem of a human being. Make sure to go to Monday's Dark uh, 10th anniversary show if you do live here in Las Vegas. If you're making the trip out from somewhere else to Las Vegas during that time, December 11th. Make sure to come support uh, Monday's Dark, 10th anniversary. And remember, the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. To show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also click below to make a donation to the podcast to help keep us making some awesome episodes with awesome guests like Mark. You can see the full video interview on our YouTube channel and Spotify now as well. If you want to check out some of our awesome content or our merch and gear, head to PoweredByRock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.